When Jesus comes into your life, He opens your eyes to a new world of possibilities. This is the third message in the series, Christmas Is. The message is entitled, The Gift of Possibilities. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. We're gonna wrap up a series of messages we've been involved in for the last couple of weekends called Christmas Is. I have a, another message for you on Christmas Eve that will be a little different from what I'm sharing with you in this series. But I want to wrap up this message, Christmas Eve, with the topic, the idea of the gift of possibilities in your life. We've been talking about what's Christmas all about? Why do we even celebrate Christmas? Most people have some awareness that Christmas has something to do with Jesus, but a lot of folks don't really understand what it really has to do with Jesus. And so I've been trying to unpack that for us over the last couple of weekends. And we talked, first of all, about the fact that Christmas really is the fulfillment of promises that, in fact... Uh, at least 700 years, actually thousands of years before Jesus came, there were prophecies about his coming. And when Jesus came, he fulfilled prophecies, he fulfilled promises. So Christmas is about the fulfilling of promises, not only in Christ's coming, but in your life, that God will fulfill his promise to you. And there's another promise giving that he's coming back again. He will surely fulfill that promise as well. Last weekend, I talked about Christmas is the gift of God's presence. And we talked about the presence of God and how God's presence is such a precious gift given to us in Jesus Christ. And as I said today, I want to talk to us about the gift of possibilities. The word possible is a very important word. It's actually found in the Bible. It's found in the opposite aspect of the word. Nothing is impossible with God, which means all things are possible with God. And that word possible means that it can come into reality. It can come into existence. If you say that something is possible, you're saying there's the power, there's the capacity for something to actually happen. And when Jesus came from heaven to earth, he came to fulfill possibilities in your life, things that can happen and could not otherwise happen had not he come into our world. And I'm going to talk today about some of those things that Jesus came to fulfill in your life, possibilities that can only be realized in Jesus. When you look at your Bible, you'll notice that your Bible is divided into two sections. There's the Old Testament, there are 39 books in the Old Testament, and there's the New Testament, 27 books in the New Testament, which equals a total of 66 books in your Bible. But right in the middle of that division, actually it's not officially in the middle because there's 39 books in the Old and 27 in the New, but there's a break between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the reason there's a break between the Old Testament and the New Testament is because the Old Testament presented to us the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the, 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 the presentation of the laws of God to humanity and God working in his nation Israel to show them his law and to reveal his law to us as well. And so the Old Testament has a tremendous purpose. You need to study the Old Testament because it shows you what pleases God and, and the heart of God, his desire for you and me, and the laws of God that all of us need to understand. But here's the problem. The laws of God, if we only understand them as law, we begin to realize that we're really in trouble because I'm not sure about you, but I've found that when it comes to God, I'm oftentimes a lawbreaker. How about you? 
It's called sin, right? And so we have the law of God, and so we know what we ought to be, but so oftentimes we don't live in the world of what we ought to be. We live in a different world dominated by sin, by ourselves, by our carnal or fleshly nature. And so we were in trouble if all we had was the law. But that's why Jesus came and actually split, if you will, the Bible into two parts because the Old Testament deals with the laws of God. The New Testament ushers in a brand new season, a brand new era, E-R-A, an era of time called the dispensation or the season or the era of grace, law, grace, law, grace. Here's the law. This is what God expects you to do. Here's the Ten Commandments, all he asks you, the way that he wants you to live. We discover that we can't live that way, and so Jesus comes in and says, I have the grace to give you so you can live in a way that pleases God. The law, the Bible says, of the Old Testament was a schoolmaster leading us to Christ. And so when Jesus came into our world, he came in to give us the possibility of overcoming the very thing that had kept us from being all that God wanted us to be. That's called sin. That's called the disobedience to the law. And so even in the Old Testament, there was a prediction that Jesus would come and do this. The prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Christ was born, spoke in terms of the Messiah. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. This would, in fact, relate to Jesus. We'll see in a moment moment, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the, for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and grace, same word. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor or grace and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Isaiah the prophet speaking on behalf of Messiah said, I'm coming to declare a favorable year of God. I'm coming to show you the grace of God. Now, how do we know that this prophecy in the Old Testament relates to Jesus? I'll show you here in just a moment in the Gospel of Luke. But there was a day that Jesus, when he, after he'd begun his earthly ministry, he'd been baptized by John the Baptist, and so he's starting his ministry. He goes to his hometown of Nazareth, and in the hometown of Nazareth, he goes to the synagogue one day. And I want you to notice what happens there in that synagogue in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read in the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Does that sound familiar, right? And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is why Jesus came. He declares it here. Because he, God's Spirit, has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Anyone today need some good news in your life? Jesus came to proclaim good news to you. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year, there you see it again, of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, the scroll gave it back to the attendant, and set down the eyes of everyone, and the synagogue was fastened on, fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is what? Fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus said, I've come to actually do 
what the prophet, of, prophet Isaiah said I was coming to do, and I have good news for you. I've come not just to tell you about the law, but I've come to tell you about the grace that is found through Jesus Christ. I've come to give you good news and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this is exactly what Jesus did. Matthew tells us about Jesus' ministry and what he did for people when he began to not only preach but also minister to the afflicted, the needy, people like you and me. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet. And notice what he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw. Here's what happened when Jesus started ministering. People were amazed because they saw things that had been impossible made possible. Are you hearing me today? When Jesus started ministering, people started seeing things that had formerly been impossible. He started, they started seeing possibilities happen in people's life. Mute people started doing what? Speaking. Crippled people were what? Made well. What happened to the lame when they were around Jesus? They started walking. And what happened to the blind when they were around Jesus? They started seeing. And the Bible says they praised the God of Israel. What I want you to see today is that when Jesus came, he came into an earth that was broken, an earth that was under the curse of the law because no one could fulfill it. And Jesus said, I've arrived on the scene and I'm proclaiming the year of God's favor. He went around beginning to do ministry and mute people started speaking and crippled people started being well and lame people started to walk and blind people started to see and deaf people started to hear. He started making things possible. I'm thankful for Christmas because when Jesus came, he made some things possible for your life that would have been impossible had he not come. Because Jesus is here, you and I have received the gift of possibilities for our life. And I'm going to share with you six possibilities that you can have in your life when you welcome Jesus. See, it's not just enough for Jesus to have come into the world. You need to welcome him into your life. It's not just enough that Jesus split history between B.C. and A.D. You need to welcome Jesus into the inner part of your life. And as you do, there's some things that will be made possible for you that otherwise were impossible in your life. Let me give you the first thing. When Jesus comes into your life, you begin to see in ways that you've never seen before. Your eyes are opened it's a wonderful thing about Jesus. You see all throughout his ministry over and over again, one of the most familiar and one of the most common miracles that Jesus would do would, was about healing people or giving sight to the blind. Notice this in Matthew chapter 9. There were two men that wanted to, 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 to have healing in their life. And the Bible says that when he'd gone indoors, the blind men came to him and, and, he, and he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They'd requested healing of their sight from Jesus. Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was what? Restored. I want you to know today that Jesus is in the, in the business of healing blind folks. Okay. I'm not just talking today about physical blindness. That's certainly miracles have happened and been recorded miracles throughout the time of history of Jesus still doing those kind of works in people's lives. But I'm talking about a blindness that's worse than physical blindness. So you can see with your eyes, but be blind in your heart. 
And the greatest sight you'll ever have in life is not your physical eyesight, it's insight, it's revelation, the ability to see things that otherwise you could not see given the spiritual state of your soul. Notice in Luke we find another example of this. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see. That's a prayer that all of us should pray. I want to see. This is a man asking for his sight. He replied, Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. What I want to impart to you today, and I hope you'll receive this in your life today, that Jesus came so that you could see things that you couldn't see before. What could you see? What can we see because of Jesus? You can see a new way of living. That instead of living the old life that you used to live, caught up in the sins of your own life and the world around you, you begin to see there's, there's a new way to live. And some of you could stand today and testify who you were before you met Christ and who you are now. And you're living a new life now because you saw a new way. God opened your eyes. You were sitting in a service like this one day or listening to a gospel message. And suddenly your eyes opened. You saw that I'm a sinner in need of salvation. And you saw there's a new way to live. Aren't you glad? that Jesus lets you see that there's a new way to live. Okay. You're, able to see a, you're able to see a new set of values. See, what you used to value before you met Jesus is different now after meeting Jesus. You used to place everything on the value of what you owned around you or the world around you, but you come into relationship with Christ. You begin to have heavenly values, eternal values. You begin to see a new sense of purpose. You didn't know why you even existed before, but now you come into relationship with Christ, and there's a purpose that you see for your life. You have a new hope for your future that you're able to see. I want you to know today that spiritual sight is possible because of Jesus. Thank God for Christmas. Thank God for Jesus coming because he's opened our eyes. And maybe today you're still in a place where you're living in darkness. And I want to tell you that Jesus can come today and this can be your day when your eyes are suddenly open, you see a new way of living and a new set of values and a new sense of purpose and a new hope for your future. That's what Jesus does in people's lives. Because of Christmas, because of Jesus coming, he also has now enabled us to hear what we couldn't hear before. Not only did Jesus restore sight, but he also opened deaf ears. In Mark chapter 7, we have an example of this in, in the life and ministry of Jesus. Look at what happens here. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He's done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. He takes people who were not, didn't have the ability. They, it was not possible for them to hear. And, and Jesus came into their midst. And in faith, with faith in Jesus, the, the deaf began to hear. Their, their, their lives were transformed. Possibilities happened for them. He healed them in their hearing, their capacity. Again, the greatest kind of hearing you'll ever have is not just hearing from a natural standpoint, as much of a blessing as that is, but being able to hear something beyond what your natural ears can hear when you hear the voice of the Spirit of God, the voice of the Word of God speaking things to you that go beyond just what your natural ears would be, ever be able to understand or grasp. And I want to tell you that spiritual hearing is extremely important in your life. Because when you don't listen, when you don't, the, the saddest thing in our lives many times is not being able to hear the voice of God. I want you to know today that God is speaking in his world right now. There's a voice of God in his world. The primary voice of God in our world is this thing called the Bible. Okay. Every time you open up the Bible, you're, you're opening up the voice of God into your life. 
In fact, the Bible says even the heavens declare the glories of God, that when you walk out at night and you see the stars, or you, you look at the sun rising in the morning, what you're hearing and seeing is the voice of God coming to a world saying, look at my glory, look at my splendor. There's the voice of God in our world, but many people are deaf to the voice of God. They don't hear it. They go about their life as though that voice did not even exist. And I want to tell you that because Jesus came, your ears can be opened your ears can be open to hear what you couldn't hear before into another realm. The sad thing about spiritual deafness is that spiritual deafness is accompanied by a lot of other things in life. Let me share some of the things that go along with spiritual deafness. When you're spiritually deaf, you have a hard heart. You can't be tender before God. In fact, this is found very clearly in Scripture over and over again. Matthew 13 is one example of that. For this people's heart has become calloused, hard. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes otherwise they might see with their eyes hear with their ears understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them a lot of people are missing the healing of God in their lives because of a hardness of heart and one of the things the voice of God begins to do in your life is he begins to come in and touch on those hard places inside of you maybe you've gotten hard by the hurts of life or hard by bitterness or resentment or hard by a variety of things and the voice of God through his word begins to come in and say would you just hear my voice of love let me melt that heart inside of you when you're hard of hearing you obviously have spiritual ignorance as well if you're spiritually deaf you're spiritually ignorant because you can't hear how do you learn things you learn things by hearing by listening by paying attention. And so if your ears aren't attuned to God, you go through life spiritually ignorant. You know, there are things that you need to know that you don't know. They will turn their ears away from truth and set, turn aside to myths. This is Paul talking about the last days. And by the way, we are in the last days. I don't know what last of the last days we're in, but I'm telling you that Jesus is coming back. His coming back is sooner than it's ever been before. We're moving to the final consummation of all the ages. And listen closely. The Bible says that the closer we get to Jesus coming, the more difficult it's going to be to be a Christian. Why? Because we're going to find a world that is more and more opposed to Christ. And this is what it's saying here. They will turn the world before Christ returns. They will turn their ears where? Away from the truth. Do we not see that happening in our world right now? People turning their ears away from the truth. They don't want to know the truth. Spiritual deafness results in spiritual ignorance. It also results in spiritual resistance. One of the worst things that you can ever have in life is to resist God. You want to learn to be cooperative with God, not resist God. And so when you're spiritually deaf, whether you realize it or not, you're opposing God. You're pushing against God's plan and will for your life. Again, the scripture backs this up. Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter 12, this great prophet says, Son of man, you live among rebels who have eyes but refuse to see. They have ears but what? Refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious people against spiritual deafness results in spiritual resistance and spiritual rebellion. The fourth thing that you see here, and this is the final one I mentioned here as we're wrapping up this point, you end up with misdirection in your life. If you can't hear directions, you're not going to go in the right direction. Let me say that again. If you can't hear direction, guess what? You're not going to go in the right direction. If you come to me and say, how do I get from here to Rockville? 
and you, you don't know how to get there, and you come to me and you ask me, tell me the directions, and you don't listen when I tell you the directions, chances are you're going to go the wrong way or you're going to miss a turn somewhere. You're not going to end up where you want to end up because you didn't hear well. The same is true in life. If we want to get to where God wants us to be, we have to have the ability to hear what God wants us to hear because His Word gives direction to your life. You know where you need to be by reason of His Word and hearing His Word. Notice this passage, Proverbs 19, 27. Stop listening to instruction. Stop listening to God, my son. And what will happen? You will, what will you do? You will stray from the words of knowledge, misdirected life. If you want to be blessed, do you want to be blessed? Let me ask that again. I think some of you are still thinking about that, okay? Do you want to be blessed? Here's the key, one of the keys. Jesus replied, but even more blessed. Do you want to be more blessed? Are all who do what? Hear the word of God and put it into practice. Dear ones, I want to tell you today, I am so thankful that Jesus came. Because Jesus came, I now have the possibility of hearing I couldn't, I couldn't see until Jesus came spiritually. I couldn't hear spiritually until Jesus came. And so now I don't have to go through life hardened and rebellious and resistant and misdirected in life. Why? Because Jesus came. I have the possibility to see and I have the possibility to hear. And the third thing that we have the possibility of because of Jesus, we have the possibility to walk the right way in life. Because Jesus came he makes walking possible. These are all so simple, aren't they? But you know that when your walk is messed up, you're in trouble. If you can't walk well, you're in trouble, okay? Most of where you go in life, you go by reason of two legs, okay? They take you places in life. And if your walk is messed up, your life generally is going to be challenged in some measure. Notice this passage in Matthew chapter 9. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, to the man who couldn't walk, get up, take up your mat, and go home. The man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to man. Here was a man in the presence of Jesus who was paralyzed. He couldn't walk. But because he was in the presence of Jesus, now the possibility of walking happened. And so his paralysis was removed. He was able to get up and go where he needed to go in life. And I will tell you that because of Jesus coming, you have the possibility to walk in a new way with God. You can walk no longer in pride. You can walk in humility and the grace of God. You can walk in confidence knowing that God is with you and God is for you. You can walk wisely. You don't have to live a foolish life anymore. You can walk in harmony and in love with other people instead of being bitter and contentious and angry at everybody and prejudiced and all those things that get in the way of our human relationships. You don't have to walk that way anymore. Even though the world around you is walking a certain way, you don't have to walk that way. Why? Because Jesus is now in you. He's healed your walk. You can now walk faithfully. You couldn't walk faithfully with God before, but now the Holy Spirit lives in you. And because the Holy Spirit lives in you, you can walk faithfully with God. You can walk in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Amen? There's another thing that I want to share with you today. Actually, a couple more here. Because of Jesus coming, you can now function. We have a word that we use in our, 
in our vernacular today that's been fairly popular for the last 30 or 40, 50 years, and that's the word dysfunction. Anybody familiar with that word, dysfunction? Right, okay. I mean, when I was a kid, we didn't know anything about dysfunction. We had it, but we didn't know what we had, okay? Okay. But suddenly somebody put a label on it, and they said, oh, that's a dysfunctional person. That's a dysfunctional life. That's a dysfunctional family. And actually, that's a pretty good word because dysfunction means it's not functioning, okay? And to function means that it's, it's not working well, okay? And so all of us go through life just not working well. Sometimes it's our own individual life doesn't work very well, or our family life doesn't work very well, but, but Jesus came so that you no longer had to live a dysfunctional life. Can I get an amen right there, okay? And a lot of us, all of us at some level still have dysfunction that we need Jesus' power to overcome in our lives. Whether you realize it or not, you're still a little bit dysfunctional. Some of you are a whole lot dysfunctional. Some of me is still a whole lot dysfunctional. That's why Jesus came to help us to function. I'm going to give you some illustrations of this from Scripture. How Jesus showed up and what happened to people who could not function. Look at this story in Luke chapter 13. Jesus goes into a synagogue, and in that synagogue, there was a woman there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. Notice this. She was crippled by a spirit. Everybody say dysfunction. If you're crippled by a spirit, what kind of life do you have? You have a dysfunctional life. You don't function well. Crippled by a spirit for 18 years. What was the manifestation of that crippling? She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. So think with me for a moment. For 18 years, we don't know what had happened to her, but for 18 years, a spirit, that's a, that's a demonic entity, a demonic spirit had taken over her life in some measure and had crippled her so that she lived her life always looking down. You know, there's some of you that have been crippled in life and all you ever do is look down. You never look up. All you do is look down. You can't even see up because you've been crippled by the adversary. You've been crippled by something in your life that's caused you to not function well. You can't function well if you walk your life like this. You can't see peripheral vision. You can't see ahead of you. You are crippled by a spirit. And this lady had been crippled by a spirit for eight years, almost two decades of her life. When Jesus, oh, I love this, when Jesus saw her, when Jesus saw her and her dysfunction, what did he do? He called her forward and said to her, woman, read the rest with me, you are set free from your infirmity. Or can we say you are set free from your infirmity? dysfunction. When Jesus comes into your life, you, you have the possibility that what is dysfunctional can become functional for your life. Let's look at another illustration of this. Matthew chapter 12, verse 13. There's a man that came into the presence of Jesus. The Bible says he had a shriveled hand. We don't know what that meant. But it's hard to live well when, you're, when you only have one hand. Okay, If you have what, another hand that's shriveled up, it's not functional, right? One of his arms, one of his hands, dysfunctional, didn't function well. And so here he's now in the presence of Jesus. So Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. So here we see a woman crippled by a spirit, dysfunctional. We see a man with a shriveled hand, dysfunctional. Now I'm going to give you one other illustration of this. 
Now, Jesus touches a woman in her life. The Bible says, after this, Jesus traveled about from town to town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him and also some women, some women who had been what? Cured of evil spirits and diseases or, say it with me again, had been cured of dysfunction. Notice this, Mary called Magdalene. Anybody happen to remember Mary Magdalene in the Bible? One of the godliest women in the Bible, one of those women that were often around Jesus ministering to the disciples and those who were with Jesus. She was a very faithful, eventually a faithful follower of Christ. But the Bible says that Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out of her. Let me tell you something about Mary Magdalene. We don't know much about her before she meets Jesus. We don't know much about her apart from this particular passage of Scripture in terms of her life before Christ. But I will tell you something about Mary Magdalene. Magdalene. She was a highly dysfunctional lady, but she came into the presence of Jesus and she found the possibility that these seven demons that have ruled my life all these years will not rule me any longer because Jesus came in and now it's possible for me to have function in my life. We don't know how long it had happened to, but I want to tell you today that because Jesus came, I'm thankful for Christmas. I'm so grateful for Christmas because now I can see I don't see everything well, but I'm seeing better than I used to see. Now I can hear. I don't hear everything well, but I can hear better than I used to be able to hear. Now I'm able to walk. I don't walk perfectly, but, but I can sure walk better than I used to walk. And I can begin to function. I don't function perfectly, but I function a whole lot better than I used to function. Why? Because Jesus is in my life. Man, I love preaching this today. I hope somebody's getting it, okay? Because Jesus came, you have the possibility that you can be clean. Wow. You can be clean. Have you ever had a tough day? You worked out in the yard or maybe some kind of grimy job that you were doing, and all you wanted to do was get in the house, take a shower. That's all you want. I just need a shower. I need to get in the bathtub. I need to clean. I just want to feel clean again. And the feeling that you have when you get out of that shower after having a, a long day sweating or working or being all grimed up and the feeling you have when you come out of that shower and you put a fresh set of clothes on, you just feel clean. Anybody say amen, that feels good, right? Okay, doesn't it feel good? Okay. The sad thing is there are a lot of people when it comes to the moral dimensions of their life, they don't feel that way. They feel very dirty on the inside. They may give a good presentation externally and try to at least let people think that things are going well in, in their lives, but really on the inside, they're still, they're still plagued with an uncleanness. I feel like I'm not really clean on the inside. I may be clean on the outside, but there's still something in here that makes me feel dirty. And I'm talking to somebody here today. You still feel dirty on the inside. I'm talking to somebody online today. You still feel dirty on the inside. There's something in your life that you feel like you did that marred you, that soiled you, that dirtied you up on the inside, and you feel like I'm, I'm never going to be able to get over that. I'll never, I'll never be clean again. And it it comes along and it haunts you from time to time and it taunts you from time to time, but it's just that feeling, I just wish I could take a spiritual shower. I just want to get this cleaned out of my system. There was a man that came to Jesus one day and he was not clean. He was unclean. He was a leper. And back in those days, if you were a leper, what you had to do is when you were approaching any group of people, any individual, 
you had to cry out from as far of a distance as possible, unclean, unclean. You're giving that person or that group the warning not to come near. Don't come near me. Because the idea of leprosy was that it was a contagious disease, and so they really invented social distancing. Okay. Okay. So this was the extreme form of social distancing. Unclean, stay away from me. Don't get near me. I've got the virus. Okay. And there was a man that came to Jesus one day, and notice what happened here in this great gospel story found in the book of Mark, and a man with leprosy came to him. And that's a miracle in and of itself, the fact that he felt comfortable enough to come to Jesus. He's unclean, and he begged him on his knees. What did he do? He begged him on his knees. If you are willing, what? You can. If you're willing, you can make me clean. There's a lot of people who know that Jesus could make them clean. They're not, just, they're not very sure if he's willing to do it or not. If you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. Not indignant at the man. He was indignant at the thing that was afflicting the man. Okay? He's not mad at the man. He was mad at what was afflicting the man. This is beautiful. He reached out his hand and did what? You got to stop there. Don't you read through these passages too quickly. Because nobody would have dared do this. Nobody would have reached out and touched a leper. You don't do that because what you're doing is you're inviting the disease onto yourself, which is exactly what Jesus did. He bore our diseases. He carried our infirmities, okay? That's another sermon for another day, okay? Okay? But Jesus, Jesus didn't mind touching him because he, was gonna, he bears our infirmities anyway, okay? He's absorbing them through his death on the cross. That's why he is the Lord, our healer, Okay? Again, I got to be careful because I'm going to go down another rabbit trail real fast here. I got to stay off of that. Okay. But Jesus reached out and he touched him. I want you to know today that if you feel unclean on the inside, you don't feel like God's too close to you and that God even wants to come near you. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus wants to touch you. Okay? He wants to touch you. You say, no, I'm, too, I'm, I'm unclean. You can't touch me, Jesus. No, no. Those are the very people I want to touch. Jesus is the friend of sinners. Pharisees and religious people don't like to hear this. But Jesus is the friend of sinners, okay? The Pharisees condemned sinners. Jesus approached sinners. He approached the unclean. Now, by the way, when Jesus is the friend of sinners, it doesn't mean he's the friend of their sin. It's a different story. He doesn't approve of our sin, but he's a friend of sinners. And so Jesus said, no, no, come, let me touch you. I'm going to do something nobody else would do. And he touched the man and said, I am... Willing, he said, oh my goodness, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. I want to tell you today as we get ready to move to our last final point today. No matter how dirty you feel, no matter how unclean you might feel today, I want you to know that there's a Savior who's willing to reach out and touch you and bring cleansing to the greatest guilt and shame of your life because Jesus came it is possible for you to be clean and because Jesus came it's impossible it's possible for you to live all throughout the new testament there's a uh, there's a word that's used for living and life that's used in direct relationship to Jesus and there's 
multiple Greek words that you'll find related to the concept of life. Bios is one, but the word that we find most associated with life as it relates to Jesus is the word zoe. Greek word zoe. And the word zoe means more than just biological life. It includes that, but it means really life. I mean like life, life. See, you can be alive but not alive, right? You can be alive but not alive because you're alive but you're really dead on the inside. There's no real life to you. And so Jesus came to give you life, zoe, a real kind of life that animates you on the inside, that gives you, as I mentioned a moment ago, a sense of purpose and direction for your life, a reason to live, a reason to wake up in the morning, a reason to do what you are called to do in your life. There's life on the inside of you. And so when Jesus come, came, he made possible the opportunity for you to receive a life on the inside of you. You don't have to be a dead person walking around. You can come to life in Jesus. Jesus' name. There was a day that Jesus showed up near Jerusalem, a little village there called Bethany, and, and there was a, one of his friends lived there, but his friend had gotten really sick, and by the time that Jesus arrived, this friend had died. His name was Lazarus, and Lazarus had, a, 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 had, had two sisters, twin sisters, Mary and Martha, and Jesus comes on the scene, and Mary and Martha are quite concerned because Jesus didn't show up in enough time from their perspective, and so now Lazarus had died and been placed in the tomb, and for four days, he had been in the tomb by this time. The Bible says he was already decaying. So Mary Martha says, there's got to be no hope. Jesus, no, you've got to understand something about who I am. You don't even know who I am. You haven't realized who I am. Let me tell you who I am. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Jesus said, take me to the tomb. Take me to the tomb. Roll that stone away. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus came out bound up in his grave clothes, and he walked out, and Jesus said, loose him and let him go, okay? Loose him and let him go. And that's what happens to you, my dear friend. Listen to me today, that when you are in that tomb of sin, lostness, you have no relationship with God, Jesus comes along by his spirit and rolls that stone away and says, calls your name and says, come forth. And in that moment, you put your faith in Jesus and there's a birth of life inside of you. The Spirit of God comes and you come alive out of your deafness. You walk out of your tomb. Oh, are you still bound up? Oh, yeah. You got some dirty clothes on that still need to be removed. But the good news is God puts you in a body called a church and the clothes, the grave clothes start coming off of you and you start walking animated by the life of God within you. Let me tell you something. Jesus made life possible made life possible, life possible. He is the resurrection and the life. John chapter 20, John, the, the great gospel writer, you've got to love the gospel of John, tremendous gospel, 21 chapters. He's coming toward the conclusion of his book, and he writes as Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. I'm so very grateful that Jesus came, aren't you? Thank God for Christmas. Because Christmas means that I can, I can see. 
I can see spiritually. I couldn't see before. Before Jesus, I couldn't see, but I see now things differently. I can hear things I didn't hear before. I can walk in a way like I never walked before. I can function in a way like I never functioned before. I can be clean in my life, and I can have life in me now. And the beautiful thing, it doesn't stop with this life. It's for eternity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have life everlasting. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, we're grateful today for Christmas. Not a holiday on a calendar. But Lord, the, your entrance into our world. And because of Christmas, we have possibility for our life. Where would we be without you coming, Lord? All those possibilities would not even be reality. But because you came, we can see, we can hear, we can walk, we can function, we can be cleansed, we can live now and for eternity. Lord, we celebrate you in this Christmas season. We ask you'll seal these things in each of our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. For that we thank you. Jesus name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that he will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of his name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out and you become a new creation. All things pass away, all things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.